thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your presence, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in our life. And Lord, we ask for a revelation to flow in the church tonight. Lord, we've come not to gain information, but revelation, to be changed by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, we ask that you would open up the word of God to us tonight. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and to teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive everything that the Spirit of God is speaking tonight. And we ask it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name. All God's people say Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So John chapter 18, we're going to be back in this uh, to launch out at tonight. But the thing that we're looking at and we've been in this morning is this reality. Every superficial thing that can be shaken will be shaken in the last day. If it's, if it's superficial, it ain't going to stand. You need to come to that reality today before that shaking happens. But there is a shaking that's going to happen, and you're going to need to be on solid ground when the shaking occurs. You're going to need to have a walk with God. You're going to need to have that inward work of the Holy Spirit, but you're not going to be able to lean on superficial, artificial means in the last days. God won't allow it. God won't allow it. God, God is a jealous God, the Word of God tells us. Amen. He is a jealous God. And he will not allow you to, to be propped up by superficial and artificial means in the last days. So what I'm telling you is we need a genuine move of God in the church of God. We need the reality of the substance of who God is at work in our life. It's not going to cut it, come on, to have formalities if we don't have the reality. It's not going to cut it to have the, 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 the religion, but not the power of it in the last days. There's a superficiality in the church world today. And the Lord, when he speaks, superficial things fall. Everything that's not of God will fall when the Lord speaks. Turn with me to John chapter 18. Look at this in verse number 3. It says, Judas having received, and I'm going to go through this because we touched on it earlier, but... It says, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests, Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth. And he said unto them, Whom seek ye? They came with weapons. They came with weapons. You know that the enemy comes with weapons. Amen? But Jesus had something for them. Look what Jesus does next. He says in, in verse number five, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. That's who they were seeking, Jesus of Nazareth. They were seeking that, that who they thought was that carpenter leading a, a, a revolt. They were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but what they encountered was God. Come on, somebody. He said, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. When Jesus said, I am he, they immediately 
went backwards and fell down. Now, they weren't falling down because they were crying out holy. They fell down because they had experienced the name of God. They fell down. There was a, a supernatural earthquake, if you will, by the voice of God. When the Lord spoke, the superficial fell. And you know, there's coming a day that the Lord's going to speak and every superficial thing will be torn down. Amen. In the last day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That day's coming. And you know, in the, in the last days when the Lord speaks, there's going to be a separating, as we said earlier, from the sheep and the goats and the, the wheat and the tares. There's going to be a separating from those things that are of God and the things that are not of God. And in this moment, you see when Jesus spoke and he said, I am, he's speaking the ineffable name of God. And when he spoke that name and he said, I am he, everything that was not of God fell down. And I want you to know today that the name of Jesus still has power. There's still power in the name of Jesus. I love the story about whenever Peter and John went to the gate beautiful and there was that lame man sitting there begging and he was asking them for money and Peter looked at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give unto thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man got up and walked in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, Peter didn't have two nickels to give him. Peter didn't have affirmation. Peter didn't have inspiration. He had power and demonstration in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I don't believe that the name of Jesus has run out of power from the day that Peter spoke it to today. I believe the same God that was alive then is the same God that's alive today. And I believe if we will have faith like Peter had and speak the name of Jesus... We'll see God move in the same capacity. See, God hasn't changed, but the church today has relied on inspiration and affirmation, and we've lost the demonstration of the power of God. We've lost the confidence in the name of God. Amen. We want to pump everybody up with chicken noodle soup for the soul and inspire them and give them words of affirmation so that they have confidence in their flesh. But you know what? My confidence is not in my flesh. Amen. As the Word of God says in the book of Psalms, amen. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. That's where my trust is. My trust is not in me. My trust is not in my church. My trust is not in my family, my income, my job. My trust is not in America. My trust is not in Donald Trump or Joe Biden. My trust is in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when he spoke and he said, I am, they fell. Amen. You know what? The enemy, the enemy came at Jesus with weapons. The enemy came at Jesus with weapons, but he didn't draw any weapons against them, did he? You see, you cannot fight spiritual battle on the same ground as the enemy because the enemy will come at you with lies. Amen. You know, you can't argue with Satan. Come on, somebody. You want to get in the mud and, and wrestle with the pig? You're going to lose that battle. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with a pig, but it ain't fun. I've done it. <laughs> Amen. You, you can't get on the enemy's ground. You've been given higher ground in the name of Jesus. 
You've got the name above all names. You don't have to get down in the mud. You just need to speak the name of Jesus. You need to believe in that situation and in that battle. You need to call on the name of the Lord in the battle. You know, one of the things that we see that happens in this passage is we see that the enemy falls when Jesus speaks. I want you to listen to this. Nothing superficial will stand the shaking. Nothing superficial will stand the shaking. Turn with me to Joel chapter 3. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about in this passage. Joel chapter 3. If you don't know where Joel is, it's in the Old Testament. Joel chapter number 3. It's on page 792 if you want to look it up. In your thin line King James large print Bible. Hallelujah. Joel chapter 3. And we're going to begin with verse number 14 tonight. Here's an awesome thought. How many of you are tired of the enemy? I'm so tired of the enemy. Amen. He's tired of the enemy. And you know what's awesome? Is that God's going to shake the enemy. You know that... There's coming a day that Satan's going to be cast into the fiery pits of hell. He's not ruling hell right now. That's a caricature. That's a, that's a false concept. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour today. When people go to hell, they're in there to be tormented, right? They're not, he's not sitting on a throne in hell right now. Amen. It's a lie. He's seeking about whom he may devour. Amen. So the, the thing I want you to see is there's coming a day and then he's going to be cast in hell. And when he does, he's going to be stuck. Amen. And the reality is, is that there's a shaking that every enemy of God's going to get shook. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Look with me in Joel chapter 3 verse 14. It says this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Have you found yourself in the valley of decision before? The valley of decision is that place where things can go one way or the other. You're in a valley. You're either going to stay there and get stuck. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Are you going to climb up that mountain? It's easy to stay in the valley. The flesh wants to stay in the valley. The flesh wants to get that lawn chair and stay in the valley, but you're not safe in the valley. Is there a valley of decision? Verse number 15, it says, The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Does that sound like the last days that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24? Amen. Sound like the last days? The sun and the moon will be darkened? Now look at this. The Lord also shall roar. Somebody say roar. Hallelujah for the lion of the tribe of Judah. It says, the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Listen, heaven and earth will shake. Everything made will be shooken. There's coming a time that the lion of Judah is going to roar. And when he roars, everything that's not of God will shake to the ground. It'll be sifted as wheat. It'll be separated 
from the wheat. It'll be as in the day, as, as he says here, that's when our hope will begin to rise. Amen. When the Lord roars from Zion. The, the amazing thing that we see is that that day coming, it, the shaking that is coming upon the land, I don't know about you, but it can't happen soon enough. I'm ready for the Lord to roar. I'm ready for the earth and the heaven to shake. I'm ready for the Lord to shake out all those enemies of God. I'm ready for the Lord to shake out all those that have come against us. I'm ready for the Lord to shake all that out. But the word of God also teaches us that God's not willing that any would perish. God's patient. God is, is being patient with people today because he's He's getting that last day's harvest in. He's opening those doors of salvation. Today is the day of, of the harvest, and God is, is trying to get more people in. Amen? How many of you know that God's not willing that people perish? There's a lot of Christians that are more than willing people perish. They don't pray for their salvation. They don't witness to them. They don't share their faith. They've you know, they don't share the gospel. I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you look at a nation today, there's no faith in the nation today. There's no hope. There's no godliness. It's really and truly because the church is not out there in the highways and byways compelling the lost to come to Christ. God's not willing that people perish. And God, God's going to raise up a generation in the last days to go out and to be fearless. See, the, the, the awesome thing about this scripture that I love is that there's a valley of decision that a lot of people are in. And God is sending people out today to compel people to come to the house of God. To come into the house of God and to be received by the Spirit of God. But, but the thing I want you to see is that the superficial will not stand. Now the reality of this message is this. The reality of this message is this, is that one word from God changes everything. For us, it brings healing and hope. For us, it brings strength. For us, it's light. But when the Lord speaks, I want you to remember back when, those, when the armies came against Jesus, when the Lord spoke, they fell. Amen. They fell. You see, in this, when He speaks from heaven, the enemies of God are going to fall. Every enemy of God's going to fall on that day. Every ungodly ruler, every ungodly leader, every ungodly husband, every ungodly wife, every ungodly person is going to fall on that day. And, and on that day, the church will have hope. The church will have hope. Now, I want to continue and drive down a little bit further on a different concept. Uh, if you will, turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 16. Judges chapter number 16. A lot of times as the church of God, we are blinded. We have blind spots and we've convinced ourselves that we're okay. And if it's not your flesh that's trying to convince you that you're okay, it's the devil. How many of you remember a time in your life when you were not okay, but you thought you were? I remember thinking I was saved when I wasn't. Amen. There's many times that the enemy or even our flesh will convince ourselves that we're okay. We don't need to go to that altar. We don't need to go to church. We don't need to go shed tears at the feet of Jesus. We're okay. And what that is is a lie from the enemy. Keeping us in a place of complacency. 
You know, one of my favorite people in the Word of God is Samson. Samson is, a, is a, one of the, the, the judges that God used. And Samson had a, a, special, a special gift. You know, Samson didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did you know that? A lot of times whenever you think about Samson, you think he must have looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because he was so strong. He could do anything. He was so strong. But you see, here's the thing. If he looked like that, nobody would have wondered where he got his strength from. The question over Samson's life that every Philistine and Delilah had was, how do you get your strength? Where does your strength come from? I believe he probably looked like the average person. But there was something about him, and he had a supernatural anointing on his life. There was a supernatural dynamic, a relationship that he had with God. What we'll call it is he had a consecration. He was consecrated unto God. God told his parents, don't cut his hair. Don't cut his hair. He's special to me. This symbolizes our relationship. As long as his hair is long, I'll be with him. Amen. This was about, and this was a secret between Samson and the Lord. And you know, sometimes we need those times of consecration where we pull away from the world and we do things. Jesus said it like this. He said, when you fast, right, anoint yourself with oil so that you don't appear to fast. What Jesus was teaching in, in Matthew chapter 6 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount about that was, you don't have to tell everybody your secret with God. You need to have that time alone with God and have those special times of communion with Him. And you see, Samson had this secret. It was his long hair. And it was a, it was a symbol of his relationship with God. And you know, whenever we fast or we pray, we don't have to tell people. Every time you pray, you don't have to do it on Facebook Live. Every time you share the gospel, you don't have to do it on Facebook Live. Amen. Every time you fast, you don't have to tell the church. I'm fasting. Oh, I'm fasting. And Jesus said, you done got your reward then. You done got your reward. But you see, when you fast or you pray and you don't tell people, you, you, you anoint yourself with oil to look refreshed. When, when, when you're fasting and people are eating, you say, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need that. That, that symbolizes that you've got something with God. It's a, the word is consecration. You see, the strength of Samson was his consecration. And you know the strength of you and me? Is consecration. Now, I may not be able to take the, the jawbone of a donkey and whoop a whole fleet of Philistines. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. But I know that my consecration with God is where my strength resides. See, I don't have superhuman strength in and of myself. I don't know it all. I don't have it all. But I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And the, the reality is every Christian has an opportunity to have a consecrated life unto God. And if you don't have a consecrated life unto God, you're standing on your own two feet. And what I'm telling you in this word 
is that if you do that, when the shaking comes, you're going to fall. When the shaking comes, you're going to fall. Now, as we go into this word in Judges chapter 16, the, the, the story is Samson, obviously, he, he, he had this strength and all the Philistines and Delilah, they were trying to figure it out and he wasn't telling them. He, he was playing games, okay? It reminds me of the church. You see, the strength of the church cannot be a jumbotron. The strength of the church cannot be a, a, a building or a denomination. The strength of the church has to be the name of Jesus. That's the only thing that causes demons to flee. It's the only thing that causes the lame to walk. It's the only thing that sobers up a drunk. It's the only thing that, that brings healing to the hurting. It's the only thing that brings peace to those that have uh, attacks of anxiety. It's the name of Jesus. You, you, you can coach somebody and you can try to inspire them and give them words of affirmation, but the enemy is not moved by your stories of affirmation and inspiration. But when the name of Jesus is applied to a soul, when the blood of Jesus has been applied to the door of your soul, that's what causes the enemy to back off. The enemy is not moved by our cleverness. He moves when you've been consecrated unto the Lord. And I want you to hold on to that thought because what Samson lost was his consecration. He lost his consecration. And when a church or a Christian loses their consecration, they have nothing. On the outside, they look the same. Right? You know, Samson, when he lost his consecration, he was still wearing the same clothes. His biceps were the same size. He still had the same shoes. His face still looked the same. So much about him still was the same, but he lost his intimacy with God. He lost that connection. He was no longer consecrated and set apart. Just as a word of definition, the word consecrate means to be set apart. We'll touch on it, Lord willing, in a few minutes. But it means something that has been set apart unto God. In the temple, they would consecrate the, the, the sacrifices. They would consecrate the knives. They would consecrate the, the cups. They would consecrate the plates. They, it was a consecration means this is holy. It's like we do anointing oil. We consecrate it. I don't use this to cook right vegetables with. It's consecrated. It's been set apart for a holy purpose. It's consecrated. And you as a Christian have been consecrated. Right? It's Jesus that consecrates us. That's what gives us strength in the battle. That's what gives us light in the darkness. That's what, that's what removes the enemy off of my family. My, I've been consecrated unto God. Samson lost it. You know, when you take a step back and you look at Samson's life, so much of Samson looked the same. And he even convinced himself that he was okay. And he went out to battle. And it did not go good. 
It did not go good. Turn with me to Judges chapter 16 and Look at verse number 17. It says that he told her all his heart and said unto her, talking about Delilah, there has not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto, that's the word, key word, unto. I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me. I shall become weak and be like any other Man, you know, the, the, the strength of the church is what we are unto God. What we are unto God. Our, the strength of the church is not in our cleverness. It's not in our programs. It's what we are unto God. Amen. You either are consecrated unto God, or you're like any other man or any other woman. What moves mountains is your Intimacy with God. Enemies not moved by our cleverness. Samson here, he said it. He said exactly what the reality was. What you are unto God is what you are. And if you've not been consecrated unto God, then you're standing on your own two feet. And I believe in the church world, we have a lot of people that are as Samson. See, I, I love this story because he's telling her she could not figure out where his strength drew from. It didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. She couldn't figure it out. And he said, it's because I'm unto God something. I'm unto God. You know, the, the, the people around you, they can't figure out why you are the way you are. They can't figure out why you are the way you are. They can't put their finger on it. Why I am the way I am is because I've been given over to God. I've surrendered my life to Him. He gave His life on Calvary. And when I heard that gospel message, I gave my life to Him. As Paul said, I've been crucified with Him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. It's a consecration that Paul found. Paul found that, that consecration. He realized what he was. In Christ is what mattered, not what he was on his own. He said in Philippians chapter 3, he counted everything that he was outside of Christ as dung. He forgot all those things that he was outside of Christ. It was who he was in Christ that mattered. And who you are in Christ is what matters. Your consecration comes from your position in Christ. Samson, he had it. He had an intimacy and a consecration in God. And yet he allowed the enemy to talk him out of his consecration. How many of you have been there before? Where we've lost it. We've blown it. Right? I got a secret at the end of the story for you. When Samson was at his bottom, how many of you fall into the bottom? How many of you fall into the bottom? You been there? You been grinding at the Philistine stone before? <laughs> Samson reached up and realized something. His hair started growing back. Grace was there. God's grace was there. When he was at the very bottom of the barrel. When everybody else had called him a loser. 
when the enemy had done launched all the names. Yeah, look, you had it all and you blown it. All you are is going to be a failure. And he was down there at the bottom of the barrel. And one day he reached back there and he realized his hair had started growing. God was there. God was there. He began to have a renewed consecration with God. See, when he was down there at the bottom of the barrel, he didn't start lifting weights again. He didn't start doing the, the, the weights again. He found God again. He found God again. And I want you to know that that, that consecration is where the strength of the church resides. Amen. And if you'll reach out for God, if you'll reach back to where that consecration comes from, which is the cross, if you'll reach back to where that consecration comes from, what you'll find is that that intimacy, that power, that strength, that anointing will begin to grow again. You'll begin to see God move again in your life. It says in verse 18, When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought money in their hand. She made him sleep upon her knees. Now, this so parallels what Satan has done to the church. The church has the, the satanic lullaby sung to it today. We have a sleeping church. We're asleep on the knees of Delilah. That's a dangerous place to be. You see, when you're asleep on the knees of Delilah, you've given yourself over to the world and the influence of the world. And can it not be said that the church has given itself over to the influence of the world? When we look like a nightclub? When we talk like a nightclub? When we allow the things that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in the house of God? Where's the separation and the consecration? Where is it? So... Delilah had him across her knees. It says in verse 19, she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him and his strength went from him. You know, the strength has gone out of much of the church world. And she said, the, she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. See, when you don't have consecration with God, when you don't have that intimacy with God, when you don't have the Spirit of God at work in your life, when you're not right with God, that's not when you go face the Philistines. That's not when you go out to battle. 
See, he still had on his boots of war. He still had on his same clothes. His face still looked the same. His voice sounded the same. He was a shell of what he once was. Simply because the seven locks that were dedicated to God were gone. And you know, many people today, they look the part. Samson, when he went out to face the Philistines, he looked the part. He said, I'll go out. I'm going to shake them. But what he found out was, what was getting shaken was he. Because he had no more consecration. He had no more foundation. He had no more intimacy. There was no spirit of God at work in him. And when he faced the enemy without God, he was overrun. Word of God says they gouged out his eyes. And they beat him down. And they took him as a slave. And that's very prophetic for where the church is today. If we go out into battle without the intimacy of God at work in our lives, without the name of Jesus... Without the blood of Jesus applied to our soul. If we go out in our own strength, we're going to have our eyes gouged out. It's very prophetic that his eyes were gouged out because he was blind when he went out to battle. He was so spiritually blind he didn't realize that the Spirit of God had departed him. And how much of the church world is so spiritually blind, they can't see that the Spirit of God has departed them. When Eli and his sons lost the ark of God, that, that, that word Ichabod was written above the house of God because the glory of God had departed. And so many of us, we've had the glory of God depart. We've had the Spirit of God. We've grieved God or we've quenched the Spirit of God. But what we need is we need to go back to that place where we reach for that hair again. That place where grace can be at work in our lives. I want you to know if as, as long as there's breath in your body, if you'll humble yourself and confess your sins to God, God will open up His ears and He will hear your prayer and He will receive you. And He said if you confess those sins, that He is faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you of all your sin. That's who our God is. It's, it's about relationship it's about intimacy and he said not only will he forgive you but he'll cleanse you and you see samson needed that cleansing he knew he had failed god and he needed that cleansing and what our churches need today is that cleansing that comes by the blood of jesus there was a shaking that took place but it didn't go the way samson thought it would and I believe that when the shaking comes on America and when the shaking comes on our world, that, remember, there is going to be a roar from the Lord. Amen. And the roar of the Lord is going to shake not only earth, but also heaven. And I believe that many people are going to get shook on that day when they thought they would stand. Many people will get shook on that day when they thought they would stand. 
The word consecration means separated from a common use. I want to ask you this question at this point of the service. Have you been separated from common use? Have you been separated from common use? That's what the word consecration means. Webster's Dictionary. We don't have to go learn Greek and Hebrew. Have you been separated from common use? Samson lost it. He lost it. But he found it again. He found it again. If you've lost it, if at one time you were separated from common use, but over time you've begun to find yourself in common things, common music, common movies, common language, common passions, common vices, common thoughts. Let me say it like this. Worldly passions, worldly thoughts, worldly vices. If you've found yourself bound by thinking like, acting like, living like the world, you've lost your consecration. You've lost your consecration. And I want to tell you this evening that it's too important for the shaking that is coming for you to remain without your consecration. It's time to give yourself back to God. It's time to dedicate yourself unto the Lord. When they would begin to dedicate something to God, they would take a special time and wait upon the Lord. And that's exactly what the church needs to do today. Consecrate ourselves to God. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 43. Don't worry, we'll go back to the New Testament before we close. Last one in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 43. When God was instructing the priests... On how to bring a sacrifice. They couldn't just go fishing, go to the movies, and then go bring a sacrifice. God says, set yourself apart. See, when Moses came up to that, to that mountain and he saw that burning bush, God said, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. In other words, this is not like any other place you've ever been. Because God is not like anything you've ever known. God is three times holy. He's holy, holy, holy. That means he's so far set apart from anything we know. We can only know him when he makes himself known. The holiness of God. In Ezekiel 43, the last part of this chapter, verse 25, I just want you to see what God required of his priests. How many of you know, if you remember the book of 
revelation that you've been made kings and priests unto God. Verse 25, it says, Seven days shalt thou prepare every day a goat for a sin offering. They shall also prepare a young bullock and a ram out of the flock without blemish. Seven days shall they purge the altar and purify it, and they shall consecrate themselves. They shall separate themselves from common use. Seven days, God required the priest to separate themselves from the common passions of life. And when these days are expired, it shall be that upon the eighth day and so forward, the priest shall make your burnt offerings upon the altar and your peace offerings, and I will accept you, said the Lord God. See, there was this consecration that God required before God would accept you. And what makes us acceptable in the eyes of God is the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and makes us acceptable in the eyes of God. Our consecration matters. God requires consecration. God is holy and He's never stopped being holy. And I know we get excited when we talk about the name of Jesus healing the lame. When that lame man was healed by the name of Jesus and I said the same God back then is the same God today. If He healed back then, He healed today. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord. If He was holy back then, He's still holy today. If he required consecration back then, he requires consecration today. I'm not consecrated by the blood of bulls and goats and heifers, but the blood of God himself. The blood of the Lamb of God is what consecrates me. But God still requires that blood applied to the soul. Because he's holy. Because he's holy. It matters to God that His people are separated to Him. Just like Samson was separated unto God, that was the strength of his soul and nobody could figure out how he had this supernatural strength. The church, if the church is not operating in the power of God, it's because we're not consecrated by the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus. But God said, when you consecrate yourself, then I'll accept you. Notice the procession. Notice the order. God won't accept an unconsecrated sacrifice. God won't accept it. You know, churches today, I oh, couldn't stand it. When COVID, they, everybody was still trying to get money in the churches. You can't, you can't hear anything on the radio or TV without trying to get somebody to... Give money, give money, give money, give money, give money. God's not moved by unconsecrated offerings. God can do more with the widow's two mites because it comes from a place of consecration. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need my two mites. But it moves his heart when his consecrated people give. But you see, the world has it backwards, and the church today is so blind, we can't see it. God doesn't need or want or accept sacrifices that are not coming from a place of consecration. 
God wants you. God wants you. He don't need your $20. He don't need your $20. He wants you. He wants you. He's a jealous God. He came for your soul, not for your $20. He came for your soul, not for your tithes. You know that all of heaven rejoices when not one person gives money, but one soul is saved. That's what moves the heart of God is when a soul gets right with God. When Samson reached back and he felt that hair, heaven began to shake. They said, hallelujah. He felt the grace of God. He's coming back. He's coming back. And how many of us in here, as you reach for that hair again, and you feel the grace of God begin to work in you again, and you feel the anointing of God come back, and you, you stay down and you tarry before the Lord, and the, the Spirit of God begins to come back and, and come in power and come in victory, and those angels begin to say, Hallelujah, we got Him back. We got her back. She's back. He's back. Oh, man. Don't forget the parable that Jesus talked about. He said when, when, when a woman has those coins, if she loses one, she searches till she finds that coin. And a good shepherd, when he loses that one sheep, he'll leave the 99 and he'll go out till he finds that one. And he rejoices when he finds the one. That woman rejoices when she finds her lost coin. And heaven rejoices when one of his children are back. Are back. Now I want to close out in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'm still on the thing about shaking. And it matters to God that in the last days you be consecrated and have the Spirit of God at work in you so that when that shaking comes, you won't get shook. You won't get shook. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asked the question we often ask people when we witness to them on the street. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? See, Samson didn't forget who God was. He just forgot to obey God. God said, don't cut your hair. Don't cut your hair. Don't cut your hair. He knew the ineffable name of God. He knew Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu. He knew all the Hebrew names of God. He knew the story of Moses. He knew the story of Adam and Eve. He knew all the Bible studies and all the Sunday school lessons. He still knew about God, but he lost that dynamic relationship. That consecration. He still called him Lord. 
He just forgot to obey the Lord. The Lord said, don't cut your hair. Why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Verse 47, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. You know, I mean, sometimes I feel like the wind and the waves and the rain are beating upon this house so vehemently. I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't know when it's going to let up. You remember the storm we had last week at 1.30 in the morning? I didn't know when that storm was going to stop. But I thank God that our house did not get moved. I thank God our house did not get moved. And you know, sometimes in life we feel like there's those storms that the enemy brings upon us. The wind and the waves and the rain and it beats upon the house. And if your house is built upon the rock, it says it will not shake. Now, the issues of life are, is what God's talking about here. How many of you know that life... Let me, let, let me backtrack. Just a, Let me say this. Let me quote Billy Sunday. Let me quote Billy Sunday. If the devil's not opposing you, it's because you're walking in the same direction. Hello. You know, the, the wind and the waves beat upon the house that's built on the rock. The enemy don't like you, but it's who's in you that he hates. And he don't want that light of God shining through you. But if the enemy's not coming against you, it could just be because the light of God's not shining through you. I don't know about you, but I, it's not fun, but it does give relief to know that the enemy's coming against us. It means we're going in the right direction. It means we're going in the right direction. Leonard Ravenhill's college professor, he, whenever they prayed and they anointed them into ministry, they would pray over them and they would say, go, and may Satan go with you. Because if Satan don't oppose you, you're not worth sending. You see, that's the reality. If Satan's not bothering you, that's a problem. That's a problem. A lot of us, we're like, I'm tired of the enemy bothering me. Stay on the foundation. Stay on the rock. No matter how vehemently 
the wind and the waves and the rain beat against the house. It's not the quality of the house. It's the quality of the rock that the house is on. And if your house is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, it will not be shaken in the name of Jesus. It says it was founded on a rock. Being a hearer and a doer matters to God. In closing, verse 49, Jesus said, But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently and immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Man, this is what happens when people go into spiritual warfare without the consecration and anointing that comes from a relationship with God. If the Spirit of God is not in you, if you've not been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you're not right with God, you're not ready for the wind and the waves and the rain. You're not ready for the battle. But I want you to know if you'll reach back and feel that hair, reach back for it. Come back to those altars. Come back to the cross. Come back to the Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's where grace is. Samson failed God miserably. But in his last battle, he killed more Philistines than any other battle combined. God used him at the very end to take out more of the enemy than at the beginning. But he had to have a moment with God. He could have he, he sat there in that jail cell, blind as a bat, and he could have, Oh, my sorrows. Oh, my sorrows. He could have done that. Couldn't he? It's easy to do that. But you know what he did? He went, wait a second. That's where my strength comes from. My strength doesn't come from my hair today. Hallelujah. My strength doesn't come from me. My strength comes from the name of the Lord. And I want you to know that God will fit you for the battle if you'll come back to Him. If you'll come back to Him and give yourself over to Him today, consecrate, dedicate, separate yourself unto God again today, the power of God will be a work in you, and God will flood you with the Holy Ghost. God will fill you up, and God will send you out, and you can take out more of the enemy than you ever would have at the beginning. But it requires you coming back to God, giving yourself. This is between you and Him. That's where the strength comes from. Give yourself over to the Lord today, and He'll meet you here. Amen. Amen. Father.